Hey everyone, welcome back to the Thrive in EDU podcast. I am Rochelle Denae Poth. This is season five, episode number 23. And it's December. I don't know how that happened, where this year has gone. Uh, it has flown by. Uh, even just feel like I said to some students, hey, you know, I can't believe it's April already. And then next thing you know, it's, oh, we're back in school. And now it's almost 2024. Uh, so if you're joining in the first time, thank you for checking it out. I hope that you will subscribe to my podcast and listen to other episodes as well. I've been doing this for about five years now, I guess. And that's amazing because when I started, it was really just a way for me to um, reflect on what I was doing in my classroom. And so I guess it's kind of interesting now, I was just thinking about in December, it's a good time to start thinking back on the year, making some plans for the new year. Um, if you make res resolutions or reservations, I guess, no, if you make resolutions for the new year, you know, what are some goals uh, that you might be setting for yourself? But still at the end of the year here, lots of learning opportunities and then time for a break, I hope for everybody, because it has definitely been a busy year and it's also been a very busy school year as well uh people are always saying when do you find time to take a break uh when we're in education i don't know that breaks ever really happen so with that being said i hope that you do have a good break coming up but there are still some opportunities for learning especially over the next two weeks and i wanted to share some of those things with you especially one, because we are talking about computer science, education week, and uh, hour of code, very, of course, popular and common in the month of December, but also important throughout the entire year. And so I thought for today, for this episode, that we would, basically me, that I would talk about some different activities that are coming up, not just focus on coding specifically, uh, but you know, in general, STEM and computer science uh, and how important those, those are for everybody. And that even if you are not a teacher who teaches topics like technology or computer science, uh, or if you don't feel like you have enough experience, there are more than enough great resources that are available to you. I do teach Spanish and a STEAM course to eighth graders called Emerging Technology that I got started with about eight years ago, but I have always been fascinated by technology, had a lot of games growing up as a kid that were kind of, you know, I don't know yet, like strategic games, uh, robotics, if you would want to call them that even, but I did really enjoy coding whenever I got started and could not wait to come home from school and get on the computer and start writing some code, doing some different programs, I was just fascinated by it. Now, granted, all these years later, it is so completely different than what you could do back then, but equally as amazing and even more important now because of the demand of those types of skills now and in the future, it's just going to continue to rise. And so when we think about our classrooms, if you've ever said, I'm just a and then fill in the blank with, you know, third grade teacher, Spanish teacher, you know, algebra teacher, all of those things that we might say that we are just, we're not just, we are educators. And there are opportunities in all of our classes, regardless of grade level, 
to bring coding and STEM and computer science and all of these things in, uh, even in small parts. And I think that it's important to do that, not just at this time of the year where there is an increased focus on coding specifically and computer science, but uh, sprinkle it throughout the year, I guess you could say. And so looking back over the past year, I laugh because of all of the changes that have happened, especially related to AI. I have said this before, and you've, if you've listened to prior episodes, you know that one of the biggest areas that I focus on in my writing, in my conferences, in conversations, in uh, my classroom, in my STEAM course, a big component of that course is focused on AI. And it's been about almost six years now, but actually six years since I started to do some research and some blog writing. Uh, some parts of my books are about AI. And actually, my doctoral work, my dissertation work is focused on artificial intelligence and professional development. So I have been really enjoying uh, the ways that AI has been uh, coming into the classrooms more in terms of conversations, the different tools the teachers are using, the excitement about it. Uh, the first four years that I did presentations on it, there was always an interest. And yet there was a a lot of hesitation with it, thinking perhaps that it was just going to kind of fade out, uh, wasn't really going to make its way into our classrooms, we didn't have to worry about it so much. And then here comes ChatGPT last year at the end of November. And then even at the start of this year, at conferences in uh, at FETC in New Orleans and TCEA, which was in San Antonio and at ISTE this summer, if you're familiar with all of those. I had sessions on AI because it's, like I said, one of my favorite things to present on, and I've done it for so many years. And it's just been awesome to see the change in conversations, the change in interest, uh, educators really diving into exploring some of these tools and understanding the AI and how it works, bringing it into the classroom and creating opportunities for students. And remember, and I've said this for years as well. We don't have to be the expert. I wasn't the expert when I started. I wouldn't consider myself to be anywhere near an expert now, even though I've been you know, learning about it for all these years, it's moving so quickly. But I do remember when I first started with the hour of code in my STEAM course, and that was it. It was the hour of code because I was really focused on one type of tool that we were using. And then we went to code.org, we did the hour of code activities and moved on. But then I realized like, this is something that's supposed to spark interest and curiosity and get you excited in it so that you, you know, are more intentional about bringing it into the classroom, that students get excited about it and they have an opportunity to learn about coding and computer science and STEM, where otherwise maybe they would not necessarily. And so with these emerging technologies like AI and uh, all of these other concepts that are out there, even most recently, I did a webinar on NFTs and the blockchain and metaverse. And it's just really sometimes hard to wrap my mind, even though, like I said, I've been reading about it, talking about it, teaching about it, but just Technology is amazing uh, at the at what it does, at how it works, and the underlying part of that deals with coding. And so, when we bring in opportunities for our students to learn about coding or to learn about STEM in general, it really makes a difference. Not because they might go into fields that are related to STEM, but because of the other skills that they develop in the process. And so even though a big part of STEM is coding, and that is a highly in-demand skill in many areas of work, there's 
a lot of you know, other benefits. So yes, kids learn how to code. Adults learn how to code as well because we learn right with them. They develop other skills such as you know problem solving, critical thinking, creativity. They develop resilience because it can be stressful when you can't figure out why it's not working. But even though the hour of code happens in December, we have the computer science education week happening. It's something that should go on throughout the year. And, you know, STEM, even if you're not a science, technology, engineering, or math teacher, it's for everybody. And code.org promotes the you know, hour of code as something that is for everyone, regardless of age. And they have this span, I forget what the lower end is, but it's like to 108. Anybody can learn how to code. And so that's a great starting point. When kids get a chance, when adults get a chance, any learner has an opportunity to explore coding and activities that are related to it. Uh, it helps to see how some of the technologies that we are using, you know, how they work. It sparks an interest potentially in students who otherwise may not realize they have an interest in that. I've had students say they will not be any good at it. They won't be able to figure it out. They're stuck. They want to quit. I've had students say they hate it because they're so good at it. And it makes me laugh. And I share that story often because it's just, it's, you never know what your interests are going to be, what your skill sets will be until you try something. And so when I think about coding specifically, I know it helps kids build a variety of skills that are going to be beneficial to them regardless of what they do. And it doesn't have to involve technology because we know there is such an over-reliance sometimes across the board, not just in students, but in everybody, because we are so connected. We have computers, we have our phones, we have all of this technology around us that coding does not even have to involve the technology. It is just even activities. You can use paper. Uh, it can be coding cards that you draw symbols on and have students you know, figure out the lines of code or the coding steps to have something happen. That's one of the first things that I did. It was actually with post-it notes. And I was thinking, how does this involve coding? And I went, oh, wait, I totally get it. So you can have screen-free activities. There's online coding platforms. There's robotics. There's lots of resources to choose from. And even the youngest learners are going to be excited about coding. I know in my classroom, we've brought in some different robots, some of which need a screen and you have the you know the online the digital component some of which don't require that at all they scan a code like a qr code for example and it gives students a chance to get excited about learning to be comfortable with learning something that might be a little bit difficult or different at first it boosts uh, you know their imagination and creativity and i think it's a great time now and throughout the year to just dive into some hands-on whether it's stem challenges uh, you know, the solo, red solo cup is one. There are many other ones out there that you can use that give kids a chance or give them some different materials and, and task them with building a structure that supports some object. Like you don't need a ton of technologies, but there are a lot of them that are out there to use. And so, you know, throwing some ideas out there, you know, there's Scratch, there's Scratch Junior, uh, that students can create their own code. There's also interactive tools. Like if you do get some robots for younger learners, Bbots is a great tool that I know a lot of my friends have used. I will say that one of uh, one of my favorites, I have two favorites, uh, and they're kind of tied for the reason why. And it's because they're screen free. And so there's Kibo, which is K-I-B-O. 
and that is from Kinder Lab Robotics. We got uh, the Kibo last year. And even though I teach eighth graders, it, it's fun to see how they respond to it and use these tools. So we took our, our time kind of figuring it out, pulled everything out of the kit that comes with it. It's loaded with activities, materials, and everything that you need to get started. So the students love it. And they also recently added on a lesson focused around artificial intelligence. So now you're tying in the STEM and the AI. And uh, if you want to even add in social emotional learning, if your focus is on SEL and helping students to build a variety of skills. So we tested it out. Like I said, even though it was eighth graders, it's still to see what the response is. Can they figure it out? Do they understand the process of how to make, you know, write the code so that the robot works? That was a lot of fun to do. And you can dress it up as well. So it, it's really engaging for kids. And I know that the younger students would love it as well. My other favorite, for the same reason, is that it has screen free. And that is the Tailbot Pro. And that one is from Metatalab. They have a couple of different robots. And I remember when I received my Tailbot Pro and figured it out, it, it was just really exciting because it is for learners. Both of these are for really young, like three and four-year-olds can do this. They don't have to worry about reading anything on the screen. You know, there's symbols that are on there. So the students, the kids, you as the adult can look at them and identify what the code on the card or what the code on the block, for example, or on the device on the robot is going to have it do. And so with the Tailbot Pro, there are mats that, for example, there's the life cycle of a frog. And so students have a laminated mat and their task is to code the robot so that it goes through and moves on the mat and basically tells the story of the life cycle of a frog, a frog, not a frog, a frog. So that's another one. Uh, moving, you know, to older learners, uh, there is the Vinci Bot, which is also from Matata Lab, and it has uh, lots of ways that you can use it. You can do, use, you know, facial recognition, basically, well, object detection. Uh, because there's ways that you can program it. You can set up mazes. You can do a lot of different things with that one as well. That is more for students around the ages of eight and up. Uh, then if you look at some things like, you know, Spheros, for example, uh, another one that we used a couple of years ago, and they have some new products, is Kai's Education. They have the KaiBot, and they have some different robots that, you know, they're helping you to build or help students to build collaboration, creativity, and the students are also learning about augmented and virtual reality and coding. And it's it's pretty neat what they offer. And so I would definitely recommend checking those out. But also on code.org itself, it has you know endless resources available on different topics. It's free. So you can just go there, you can search the topic or you know content area, the level of the students that you are working with, and dive right in. And even though it's just the hour of code. It's something that we should bring in. When I say we, I mean all educators, regardless of grade level and content area taught, but bringing it throughout the year because the demand for skills in coding and STEM related fields is increasing and will continue to increase. There's predictions of around 58 million STEM related jobs to be available by the year 2025, especially over the last couple of years. Increased skills are required in areas focused on cybersecurity, for example, and artificial intelligence. And if you look at the World Economic Forum, 
If you go back to 2022, they have the job skills outlook, 2025 is available and also 2027. And what's different from 2025 to 2027 is that the skill uh, that's listed as number three is AI and big data. So students need a lot of these different skills and bringing opportunities in through coding and through STEM is important. And it's easy to do because there's endless resources that are out there for students to choose from, and a lot of which are free. Uh, another one that I wanted to mention before ending today's episode, actually two things I'll mention. One is uh, Marty. Marty the robot is a humanoid robot, and the company Robotical uh, has Marty, and you can use Marty with uh, another reason why I like the ones I mentioned earlier, which is screen-free because he has infrared sensors on his feet. So there are color-coded cards that when he walks on them, it tells him what to do. He might shift to the right. He might go to the left. He might do a little dance, might move forward or backward. There is also the app within the iPad. So you can basically just you know move him using the device. And then there's two different types of coding for the earlier and learners and then the older students as well. Uh, you can dress him up. It comes with sticker packs. So that's kind of fun for students. And, you know, if you want to look at a variety of um, tools or options, I should say, and if you're focused on, you know, the coding, you're also focusing on helping students to build, you know, skills and have more authentic and meaningful opportunities to learn and be creative and even collaborate. Maybe you want to dive into some augmented virtual reality and you got the coding in there, then I definitely recommend CoSpaces EDU because students can check out the projects. They can do some block-based coding in there. There are tons of characters and backgrounds and there's even lessons and activities that teachers can download for use in the classroom, but it is augmented and virtual reality and students build the coding skills of course, but they can also work together on a project. And so then you bring in the uh, relationship building, the decision-making, and then as they're learning to code and dealing with maybe the challenges that come with it, you got the self-management, the self-awareness as they're learning about coding and you know how they're doing. And then of course, social awareness. And what I'm talking about are the five core competencies of SEL. And so those, a lot of these things tie in nicely together so that if you're thinking, well, I'm trying to do all of these things, sometimes it's one activity. Sometimes it's one tool, one method that really helps us to do all the things. And so for CoSpaces, if you decide to dive in and you have questions, just reach out to me. I'm happy to share examples. There is a code to use that gives you um, an upgrade to it. And it's actually just COS and then my first name, Rochelle, and then a D. And if you need that again, just reach out to me on Twitter, R-D-E-N-E-915, -E or send me a message via LinkedIn. Uh, be happy to share some ideas with you. And finally, for today's episode, I did want to let you know about my upcoming webinar via Otis for Educators. If you've not yet heard of Otis, uh, I would recommend that you check it out, but they have a lot of different trainings, webinars, and different sessions on a variety of topics. And so Tuesday, December 12th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, I am doing a session on transforming education with AI and generative AI. And like I said, it's free. It lasts an hour. 
uh, to join, you just go to, I actually made a bit.ly for it. Uh, and I will drop it into the show notes as well, but it is bit.ly and then the slash. And I made it simple to remember it's Otis, my last name Poth, and then G E N all of that is lowercase and then a capital A I. So Otis Poth Jen capital A I, and that will take you to it. However, if you just go to Otis and you click on upcoming courses, you'll see all the different ones that are coming up. And mine is, like I said, on Tuesday, December 12th. If you click on it, it'll ask you to sign up for a basic account, and then you'll be able to register for that. And I hope that you will, and that you will join in on Tuesday. So that's all I've got for you for today's episode, a little pop-up episode here, but it's, it's timely because we're in the time for hour of code, the computer science week, computer science education week, and the end of the year. And maybe you might find something, one of those resources that I mentioned, one of the robots that it's going to be the way that you start the year in January after having had a break. And of course, if you have questions, don't hesitate to connect with me. I'm happy to help. Subscribe to the podcast, join the Thrive and EDU community on Facebook. And if you or anybody that you know is looking for some training, uh, different sessions or workshops on AI, on uh, specific types of generative AI for education, on STEM, on augmented virtual reality, any of those things, I do a lot of sessions and a lot of workshops. I actually recently did a six-hour workshop on AI. Uh, for world language educators, but I've also done it for all educators as well. So I love working with teachers, love, love working with my students, but also with educators. And so I will drop the link to my um, contact form in the notes also. And so I hope to see you in the webinar on Tuesday with Otis. I will have some others coming up in the new year. And I hope that you have a fantastic week. And whenever you're on break, I hope that you have time to rest and recharge and kick off the new year. So I will catch you in the next episode because I have one more before we head into 2024. Thanks for listening. <laughs>